Hello and welcome to a special episode of Allegedly Astrology. Each week we'll be breaking down the astrology that happened during some of the biggest scandals and events in history. Dana, what are we covering on this episode? Today we're talking about the relationship between the king and queen of alternative music, aka Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love, with a very special guest, astrologer Evan Nathaniel Grimm. And this episode, yes, yay. And and this episode was a listener requested episode by Alexandra or Alexandrea. Sorry, again, I don't know how to say your name. Um, Jennifer and Caitlin. Yes. So with that, welcome, Evan. And I'll just give a little, uh, if you guys don't know, Evan's an astrologer and podcast host. His TikTok, Inner World Astrology, has over 125,000 followers growing every day. And his IG is Evan Nathaniel Grimm. We're so pumped to have you. Hello. Yeah, it's good to be here. Hello from the land of Courtney Love, Los Angeles. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Joining so. us from Los Angeles. We're Four different locations on this pod today covering lots of coasts. So very excited. And so Evan, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? What's your big three and how did you get into astrology? Yeah, so I am a uh, data analyst turned astrologer. Well, really musician turned data analyst turned astrologer. So it's been a a strange path. But uh, yeah, I got into astrology January 2021, opened my first book during, um, you know, sort of while I had a lot of time on my hands and one book became 15. And I started practicing on people doing chart readings and they were like, how did you know that, uh, you know, this happened when I was 12 or whatever? And uh then I started yelling into a ring light. Then my TikTok happened. So now I'm a full-time astrologer and yeah, it's been a ride. Awesome. That's honestly crazy. Inspiring. And yes, very inspiring. All right. Well, let's get into the episode. Evan is a former musician, like he said, so he might have some great insights on our topic for today, which is Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love. And they were the most talked about relationship in rock music in the 90s. From the moment they met until Kurt's suicide, their two-year-long relationship was plagued with controversy, sex, and drug use. Very sex, drugs, rock and roll vibes. And the duo have inspired films, documentaries, books, plays, um, and most importantly, conspiracy theories, which we especially love here at Allegedly Astrology. So... We won't let you down. We'll talk about those at the end. But for now, let's (laughs) learn more about Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love and their astrology. Okay, so Kurt Cobain, if you somehow don't know at this point, (laughs) um, was an American singer, songwriter, and artist. He was the son of a waitress and a mechanic. His childhood was pretty good until his parents divorced when he was nine years old. And then he apparently became so difficult to live with that his parents sent him to live with relatives. And um, after that... I know, very sad. Um, But after that, he was frequently troubled and angry, and he had, like, a lot of emotional pain, which is so Pisces. But (laughs) Spoiler alert. But besides emotional pain, Kurt suffered from physical pain, too. Throughout his life, he suffered from chronic bronchitis, pain from an undiagnosed chronic stomach condition. He was also an alcoholic, suffered from depression, and was infamous for, you guessed it, doing a lot of drugs. So tell us, Dana, what is his big three? Okay, Kurt Cobain was born on February 20th, 1967 at 7.38 p.m. in Aberdeen, Washington. And he has a Virgo 
rising, a Pisces sun and a Cancer moon. So the first thing I thought Mm. is that this is a very Seattle charter, at the very least a very Seattle bakery. (laughs) I spent a lot of time um, in Seattle as a child, and it's just very wet and dirt and earthy. So that's just (laughs) the physical experience of his chart. But he also has Uranus conjunct Pluto on his ascendant. um, And uh, this is like very addiction virgo i virgo people talk about pisces being the addiction sign a lot or the drug sign maybe pisces is the drug sign and virgo is the addiction sign i noticed that a lot of virgos and i don't even mean like heroin addictions like it could just be like a shopping addiction like a gum addiction i feel like virgo (laughs) like cat marnell i love cat marnell she's a famous virgo she's a famous addict um But yeah, so Uranus is very much trailblazer energy. Pluto is power. So this is almost like power, whether he likes it or not. And I feel like it's hard for him to handle himself and the burdens of life, especially with his opposite Pisces stellium in his seventh house, which includes his sun, Mercury, Venus, Saturn, and Chiron. So that's like his identity and goals, his train of thought, his artistry and affection. And then with Saturn here, it could be hard for him to be himself. So this could be like repression, but Mm. also commitment and to like his art and his artistry, even though he never made his Saturn return. And then he has his Cancer moon in the 11th. So this is very much in his feelings for his large audience. The 11th is audience. And it's also, I feel like audience growth postmortem. He has his Jupiter is exalted here in Cancer and it's stationed direct 28 days after he was born. So that would have been about within like at the time that we'll get into it later, actually, but just a little bit of a spoiler. Is that yes? He's a member of the Twenty Seven Club for all of you uninitiated, and um, <laughs> Jupiter being a major planet, it's almost like his growth. He like he was going to grow after he died, but yeah. Anyways, also Mercury stationed retrograde two days after he was born, and Neptune stationed retrograde three days after he was born. Mars stationed retrograde 15 days after he was born, which means it eventually entered Libra um, at the end of his life. But but for Mercury and Neptune, Mercury is already debilitated in Pisces. And in his uh, seventh house, I feel like this can really affect the way he thinks about himself. Um, the seventh house being the house of known enemies. And that's, again, where he has his son and so many planets. And then uh, Neptune is, like, famously the planet of addiction. So it just sort of really fits. Uh, Evan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that was spot on. I mean, the first thing I'm noticing about his chart is he definitely has that he has that kite formation, so it's like very dynamic. Thank thank God for that opposition with uh, the Uranus Pluto opposing Saturn Venus because um, that's giving it some direction. But uh, yeah, the Saturn Venus conjunction is tough because that's uh, self consciousness around partnership and almost like feeling judged by others and wanting to marry for status. That's a really common Saturn-Venus conjunction. So I'm not surprised that he chose somebody who was also in the public eye. And I think that with Saturn, that can be your karmic undoing. Um, another thing, too, that I'm, that I'm seeing is, you know, definitely the Cancer Moon is ultra-sensitive. And, like, from an element picture, he doesn't have any fire. Um, doesn't have any fire uh, at all in the charts. And no air, really, apart from the midheaven. So I see him as someone who's so mired in this, like, yin energy, which is so introspective and heavy. Like, what happens to water? It falls. Earth falls. He doesn't have any buoyancy in his chart. So I think, and even if you use my degree theory, 28 would have been a terrible year anyways, because Saturn's at 28 degrees. So even if he had gone to 28, maybe he felt that. 
Maybe he felt that 28 was not going to be great. Um, but also, um, you know, there's another huge uh, artist from the grunge era. Billy Corgan has the same Uranus-Pluto conjunction on his oh, no rising sign. He's a Virgo rising uh, too. So. Wait, okay. So he rented an apartment from my grandpa's best friend and he painted the windows floor to ceiling black. And my... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's random. Which is very but much Pluto-Uranus, I don't know, Virgo. Yeah. But yeah, wait, yeah. Evan, um, I want to go back really quickly to your 20... Can you expand a little bit on your 28 theory? Because we've, we've <laughs> yeah. never heard that. Yeah. Um, I almost feel like I'm, I'm giving away a secret here. But yeah, so I... <laughs> through many, many, many sessions and just doing my own research on celebrity charts... I've noticed that, you know, a lot some astrologers will use the Chiron degree and equate that to age. So it's like for him, Chiron's 24 degrees. So age 24 would have been his wound. But, uh, you know, a lot of astrologers kind of stop at Chiron. They're like, well, you can't really use the other planets to convert to the degrees. But I've done it. It works 95 percent of the time. So it's like. Your Saturn degree converts to an age when you feel pressure from society. Your Venus degree converts to a big relationship. So 26 for him. That's probably when he had his uh, daughter. I don't know. Maybe around that time at least. Uh, So, you know, just equating it that way, it looks like he has a lot of late degrees. So by the time he... So his 20s were definitely formative with Uranus at 23, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, um, anyway, so, so at 28, I think he would have you know, just faced even more like this down and out kind of vibe. Like he would just felt that. And he has his nodes at nine and that's when his parents got divorced, which was a major like point of gravity in his life. Yeah, exactly. That's a pivot point uh, for him. Fascinating. Anything else chart wise before we uh, keep chatting astrology? I mean, we have a, there's a lot to unpack here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, let's go. Let's keep going. Cool. Okay. So in case you missed it, Kurt is famous for being the lead singer and guitarist of Nirvana. He gained worldwide recognition and brought grunge music into the mainstream. He's known as, and I know like we all joke of being the voice of our generation or Leanna Dunham and girls was like, I believe I'm the voice of my generation. But he honestly is known as the voice of Gen X. And he has tons of accolades. You know, Rolling Stone included him in its list of the 100 greatest songwriters of all time, the 100 greatest guitarists, and the 100 greatest singers of all time. He was ranked seventh by MTV in the 22 greatest voices in music and ranked 20th on Hit Parader's list of the 100 greatest metal singers of all time, which is insane. But most importantly to me and probably any astrology fan that does not know music um he does mention pisces and his song heart-shaped box which i love like a little pisces mentioning pisces um and the lyric is she eyes me like a pisces when i'm weak it was playing at the hair salon when i was there this past weekend and i was like hell yeah nice and then i wrote it down (laughs) heart-shaped box (laughs) well and he talks about cancer right in that song which courtney is does he yeah which one uh, that same song. Uh, oh. he, he says, like, I wish I could eat your cancer when oh. blah, blah, blah. I think she's a cancer, right? Uh, oh, cancer. I literally thought Funny he meant man. eating actual cancer. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe it's a, a double entendre. Wow. Well, does he have anything in his chart that would, like, indicate this level of fame? Um, Yeah, he has a lot. So what I think sticks out the most, I mean, like I said, he has Uranus conjunct Pluto on his ascendant, which is just sort of like trailblazer, powerful energy. Again, whether or not he likes it. 
And then he has Jupiter exalted in Cancer in his 11th house of audience, which rules his like major Pisces stellium, which includes his sun, which is, of course, where he likes to shine, as well as his IC, which is where you come undone. Uh. Mm. Yeah, I think about the Ascendant. Whenever the Ascendant is on a generational planet, it's kind of like you're in the mix. You know, like if you think about a lot of famous people today, like Ariana Grande, you'll have like Neptune on the Ascendant. Like that's super common or even like a fixed star, you know, um, in which case they might be an alien, by the way. But anyways, uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also know. might be an alien. <laughs> Is Kurt Cobain an alien? <laughs> I would believe he, it. Does he have? I wonder if he has any fixed stars in here. Uh, he probably for sure I'm does. sure. He has Neptune... No. His sun is three no. degrees hmm, away from like so. full malt. Oh, wait, his moon might be. Yeah, oh, yeah he his has, moon's uh, on Sirius. Oh, wow. And cannabis. Uh, yeah, okay, so he comes from, in my opinion, right, this is just my <laughs> opinion, but uh, he comes He comes from the Sirius uh, region of the galaxy. Yeah. I, I, I actually, selfishly, I have Sirius on the Ascendant, so I have a lot of uh, skin in the game there. I've been on my moon. Um, but, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, so are we so all from that galaxy? I think so. <laughs> That's why we're all here uh, gathering. Uh, but yeah, I think that I think that he came here to experience like lower vibrations mm. and uh, was sufficiently unimpressed, so he got out. Hey, sad. I mean, I'm unimpressed, <laughs> so I can't. <laughs> you have Neptune and Saturn exactly conjunct your ascendant, so that's not impressed. I know, energy. I'm just perpetually unimpressed. But um, it wasn't just Kurt that was getting all the attention. Nirvana was a huge deal. They're one of the most influential acts of the 1990s and honestly, like, one of the biggest bands of all time um, during their... And they were only a mainstream act for three years, which is very a very short amount of time, right? Like, we're not talking about the Beatles with, like, a super long, like, very longevity, the Rolling Stones that are still touring, like, three years and everyone... Maybe not. I guess I shouldn't assume everyone, but most people know um, that Nirvana is a very well-known band. But during their three years as a mainstream act, Nirvana received an American Music Award, a Brit Award, a Grammy, seven MTV Video Music Awards, and two NME Awards, which is a big deal in the UK. And they had five number one hits on the Billboard Alternative Songs chart, four number one albums on the Billboard 200 named by Rolling Stone as one of the 100 greatest artists of all time, and the band was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is also a big deal. Oh my god, yeah. I remember, like, their, their MTV story Storytellers. It's, like, a super old episode, and I feel like I was young, like, watching it, and I was like, wow, I don't know who this guy is, but he seems cool, because his hair was, like, all in his face. <laughs> And he was like singing Sarah like, so is aggressively. Also, Sarah is also a Cancer Moon, so yeah. I feel like you were vibing <laughs> with the emo teen- teenage goth check. I, something that's yes. also interesting is that he was known for his um, voice, which he had chronic bronchitis, like you said, and he has his rising in Virgo, mm. which is a sign of health, and he's just like mm. not—I mean—corrupted by Uranus and Pluto. Which I don't mean corrupted like he's a corrupt person. I mean just corrupted from the energy. Yeah. Sad, but interesting. Despite Nirvana just like crushing it and having so much fame and success, Kurt honestly wasn't that happy about it. He really resented the success, and it made him really uncomfortable. Um, he thought he was misrepresented by the public, and like his artistic vision was just kind of misconstrued, and he was kind of turned into this like godlike 
star and that's like not what he wanted to be but regardless nirvana became super iconic so let's look at that chart so they uh sprung to fame in 1987 or it's when they formed and in that year the eclipses were in aries and libra in spring and october but the september eclipse was conjunct kurt's ascendant at 29 degrees virgo it was a solar eclipse and the North Node was at two degrees Aries, which is two degrees away from the Aries point, which really has to do with like, well, you know, I think probably way more about degree theory and stuff than I do. But I, from what I know about the Aries point, it just sort of associates so much with like the public and sort of like resets. So I feel like that's a major eclipse, especially since it's uh, conjunct his rising, uh, springing him and his like image to fame. Um, and then also Uranus and Sagittarius was squaring his natal Uranus all year. And so this is sort of like, I feel like fame is the beginning of the end for him. Uranus is oftentimes death, but also it's, it's sort of like, this has probably has to do so much with how he like is being seen in ways that he doesn't really want to be seen. Cause Uranus on one hand is sort of like, can make you really Uranus transits. I mean, the one I just went through and for most people they just make you like unruly in a way that's sort of like rebellious. Like you want to rebel against whatever's happening. Or however you've been. But he's also in his closing Saturn square, which is kind of like the world is closing in on you. It's the one that happens before your Saturn uh, return, which, again, he never reached. Um, Then he's also in a ninth house Taurus Venus year, which uh, the ninth house is where he has his north node. And so the north node is just sort of like where you're going, whether or not you have any say in it. Please take it away, Evan. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean... Yeah, what I find interesting about his nodes is like uh, that Taurus North node. It's almost like he's trying to get out of the underworld. You know, that South Node Scorpio, it's like, who knows what he was up to in his past lives? You know, I when I see a South Node Scorpio, it's like, were you a psychic? Were you a criminal? Uh, were you just a psychologist? But, you know, he was tinkering around with things. Like, he was definitely an investigator of some kind. And I think that with Scorpio, the downfall is just over-analysis of the psyche a little bit of navel gazing there. Um, and so I feel like, you know, during the Saturn square, like you talked about, Dana, that closing square, that's putting a lot of pressure on him when he started the band. And with that South Node Scorpio, it's easy to circle the drain and imply this phantom pressure of like, well, you know, if I, you know, don't succeed here, this is a, this is a reflection of my family life or whatever. Like, there's just like a lot. And the ninth house relates to idols. Mm. So... Like divine gods and stuff, the house of God. Who did Kurt Cobain in astrology, at least? Um, well, he became an idol himself that year, which I he was know, like. But I'm curious if he had any idols himself. Um, I forgot who his um, his like inspiration was or whatever. But I did read about it. I like forgot what bands though. But I don't know if he like idolized anyone. I feel like he was like too cool to idolize. Yeah, I was gonna say doesn't (laughs) seem like his personality. Well, actually, he had a um, somewhat of a strange relationship with this '80s band called the Replacements, who actually are from my hometown, Minneapolis. But if you actually look at what the Replacements did. Uh, the theory is that he actually kind of stole their sound uh, quite obviously. Like if you listen to the replacements, that singer, Paul Westerberg, basically sounds like a lot like Kurt Cobain, but he did it before him. And they have an album called Nevermind. That's interesting. Or, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. They, ha- they have an album. They have a song called Nevermind on their 1987 album, Please to Meet Me. And I think that Kurt probably was obsessed with that song. It was the inspiration for the album title. And apparently he met Paul Westberg once in an elevator and or they were in the same elevator. They didn't say anything to each other. 
And um, shortly before he died, I think it was before he died. Yeah, it was before he died. Paul Westerberg went solo and did a song called World Class Fad. He made a song called World Class Fad, and it was about Kurt Cobain. Interesting. And oh it was my basically God. like, and he, he the, the chorus is, you want it that bad, you're a world class fad. This might and be, he's oh, like, shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like this is a bit of a stretch, but not maybe not really. Nothing is really a stretch in astrology. His midheaven in Gemini <laughs> is sort of like, you know, duplicating or copying, but his the ruler of his midheaven is in Pisces, which is debilitated, making it like foggy, unclear. And he kind of became enemies with the person who he stole it from. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, he made an enemy yeah. if he didn't, you know, if he wasn't himself. So that's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, and it, with all the Pisces, so it's like, he's a reflector. Mm-hmm. He's a reflector, you know, and Pisces just embody, they they have a loss of identity. Like Pisces mm-hmm. struggle to, to keep the, the autonomous self because they're they're, their boundaries are so porous that it's like, a lot of Pisces I know, like they can't even maintain their identity at a party, right? So it's like, how are you <laughs> supposed to do that? How are you supposed to do that when you're famous? Like he just, right. I think that he, comp- he just lost himself at a certain point. Yeah. No, that's super interesting. And yeah, I think that definitely fits. But that's enough. We've literally been fangirling over Kurt now for quite some time. So <laughs> let's get into Courtney. Um, Courtney Love is an American singer, songwriter, and actress. She was born Courtney Michelle Harrison to a psychotherapist mom. And her dad was the road manager for the Grateful Dead. So like music vibes for sure. Yes. And she had a pretty rough childhood. Her parents had a very tumultuous relationship. And even during a custody hearing, Courtney's mom and her dad's girlfriend at the time alleged he dosed Courtney with LSD when she was a toddler. Um, so pretty rough stuff. She moved around a lot as a kid. Her mom got married a bunch of times. She saw a lot of psychotherapists herself um, for behavior problems and even spent some time in juvie. Uh, she moved abroad, then came back to the States to pursue an acting career. But, like, acting was, like, kind of, like, whatever for her. Like, she became a big name in the 1990s alternative and grunge scenes. Um, she was famous, and she was the lead singer of the band Hole, which I honestly really liked Hole when I was, like, in my light goth phase as a teen. <laughs> Goth light. Um, goth light. Yeah, it wasn't like a real true goth. It was like a Hot Topic goth. No offense to Hot Topic if we have any listeners who work there. Or Nathan um, Fielder. But, or Nathan Fielder. But um, she was actually named one of the most influential singers in alternative culture of the last 30 years. So, like, obviously she's, like, not just some random. She's, like, a pretty big deal. So um, what's her big three? Okay, so she was born on July 9th, 1964 at 2.08 p.m. in San Francisco. And she's a Cancer Sun, a Cancer Moon, and a Libra Rising. And her chart is interesting because it's simultaneously independent and, like, yearning and devotional. This big three is very much, like, wanting to be in a relationship, wanting to be committed. But she was born one day after Venus Station Direct. So her chart ruler is static. It's stationary in the sky. Um, and her Venus is conjunct Mars, and it's ruled by Mercury and Leo conjunct her midheaven, which of course has to do with becoming herself. Um, and her rising and chart ruler are both an air sign, so this has to do with like intellect, evasiveness, and trickery, maybe juvie. Um, but then again, so her chart ruler being retrograde as well as like stationary, uh, it's like troublemaker vibes, but also just trouble for her in Gemini. Like it's fun, funny, sharp, and like class clown energy, but she's like lonely and split. Um, 
especially with her natal Mars within a few degrees. Uh, Courtney has a day chart and Mars is the nocturnal malefic, which means that Mars is technically the least helpful planet in her chart um, as well. Uh, and it's like with her chart ruler, which is stationed conjunct her natal Mars. So it's just sort of like it creates this problems for her her entire life. Um, it also probably makes her like physically attractive as well as you know interesting but um she's born on a cancer new moon so that combining that with her natal libra rising like she wants love she wants devotion commitment understanding but she was born on a new moon um so the moon wouldn't have been visible in the sky so this could be viewed in a number of ways i feel like it's a blank slate but it's also could be like lacking maternal direction or comfort or feeling a little lost if you just take it like the most like literal astrology like what is visible in the sky so the moon was just not there mm-hmm yeah, I think of new moons as like they're just kind of uh, open. They're just new to this whole like human existence thing. And so everything is fresh. And it's like their life is a process of trial and error almost. Love like that. there is like a little bit of naivete. But I, I, when I look at her chart, I just see the chart of an ultimate deceiver. You know, I, not, no, offense, no offense to anybody born on this day in 1964. <laughs> but uh, if you were born, honestly, just that day, like there's a chance here for deception because it's like, you know, she kind of has this Jupiter-Neptune opposition. That's like a big, that's problematic. That's like too much. That's just too much mm-hmm. trusting energy, idealization. So it's like she might revere certain people and idolize them. And she, as soon as she met Kurt, probably that happened, right? That just activated mm-hmm. this. And that's on on his nodal axis. So it's like, wow, this is the, you are the path. You are the path to money for me in Scorpio Taurus. That's what it rules is money. And uh, also... You know, when I look at uh, the eighth house, Mars and Venus, like you were saying, Dana, there's a lot of different, there's like some trickery going on there and it's psychological in in this, in this version of the chart, the Placidus, like it's like that eighth house is like very subversive. Uh, and, and, I, and you said her mother was a therapist. Did I make that up? Her mom was. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see that in the chart. I mean, the parents are all over the, everyone's chart, but like, you know, the Mars Gemini in the eighth, that means that someone is talking about trauma. Someone's talking about people's subconscious uh, suffering as a from doing it for a living. So it's like that's that's the mother, and uh, you know the yeah. I don't know. I, I think this chart is uh, again very relentless too. It's ruthless that Mars Pluto square. To me, that means that she probably committed some really. She also might be a criminal in a past life. Like I kind of think about it like you know, if you give someone the finger and then they run at you, it's like obvious why that happened. That's cause and effect. But it's like you might have given the finger in a past life and now someone's back to repay that debt. So that's kind of what's going on here. I feel like there is a little bit of a a witch hunt. Oh, I love that. Uh, oh, shit. And so that that actually adds more mystery to the whole thing of what happened, which we can get to. Oh, but yeah. Like, it, yeah. Just, it just feels like naturally there would be a witch hunt. Yeah. But that Jupiter-Neptune opposition, I just don't like that. The Taurus-Scorpio opposition with Jupiter and Neptune kind of scares me because it's almost like you're dreaming up a vast amount of wealth and you're and the Mars Pluto square you're willing to do anything to get that oh shit and Saturn opposite Pluto it's very much like power struggles with the law like well I can't wait to talk about the conspiracy part of this episode yes. <laughs> so you know we've talked about each of them separately now let's get into how they met and how they met is kind of iffy there's like a few dates they kind of like bumped into each other a few times but most people think they met in portland at a club where nirvana was playing and allegedly courtney had gone to the show and developed a crush on kurt and they were both you know alternative famous at the time like very well known 
each in the circle. And they had like a flirty, like mean banter thing happen that eventually led to them wrestling on the ground. So that makes sense. what was going on the night they met? <laughs> um, okay, so they met two days after a Cancer full moon um, in 1990. January 10th, 1990 was the full moon. And they met on January 12th in Portland, Oregon. And so, interesting. Yeah. So this we is, both have cancer moons. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Elise. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. Just, no. 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 I like it. Um, you're noticing shit. So the full moon is conjunct Chiron, which is like the wounded healer. And I don't know about you, Evan, but I noticed that Chiron is involved a lot when either people have like significant sexual experiences or like really like the feeling of like this love is real and then like sometimes you know sometimes i'm like okay like you're delusional but a lot of times it's like no this love is real like i don't know if it'll be you know healthy but it's real which applies to so many situations anyway though but so kurt is in an 11th house cancer moon year making this like significant um a very significant lunation the moon is his time lord and then the cancer full moon of course being really important and then courtney's in a second house scorpio mars year and she's in her mars opposition mars oppositions really i mean what could be wrestling on the floor more than your mars opposition with like the person (laughs) you want to fuck um (laughs) and then also venus was retrograde conjunct courtney's mercury and midheaven i mean ic it was opposite courtney's mercury and midheaven so it was conjunct her ic so this is really like getting to the root of her problems venus is at three degrees aquarius her ic is at zero degrees aquarius and it's also the North Node was also in Aquarius. So it's sort of like pointing. This is like when you're going back to, I don't do much with past lives, but maybe, I don't know if you think this is at all significant, having anything like on the IC being maybe some sort of past life thing. But also just any sort of Venus retrograde period. I think since she was born during a Venus retrograde and with Venus retrograde being her chart ruler will be significant in her life, especially since it's in another air sign. Yeah, I mean... I think he found his he found his new mom. Oh, he found his new mom that day. <laughs> because Chiron conjunct the Cancer full moon and hits the Chiron is on his natal moon exact almost exact that day I think. Um, it's like we all know that Kurt had tons of issues with his mother and his family, the splintering of that, and wanting that, and I think that the Chiron. Cancer full moon. We just had a cancer full moon in January on my natal Chiron, so Ooh. I get this energy. Oh, shit. So, you know, there's a there's an energy of separating, of cutting the umbilical cord, but I think he might have just traded, might have just traded moms. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I might be getting a little too psychological. No, I here, love but it. But I think that that might have, I think that might have <laughs> happened. But so also he's putting too is, much stake into this. She is three years older than him. So there is like a little bit of element of, of that nurturing Probably. Well, and Saturn Venus conjunction in his chart, like typically, yes, like people with that conjunction date older, and they often date people oh, who have the qualities of their parents. They end up just dating their parents for Shit. the most part. Well, well, I think something too, and we'll get into more when we start talking about their synastry, but Kurt's mom was like very like much a feminist. Like he was known as a pretty big feminist, and Courtney was a very like strong woman. Like obviously she was very polarizing, but she was not one to fuck with. So I feel like that was probably something that like drew him to her. Something I sort of came up with today, which uh, was something that I was just sort of running with <laughs> in my head, is with like thinking about Uranus and Taurus, which could then apply to Taurus in general, is that there's like a wanting for like suckling at the teat with Taurus. And so him having his north node there could maybe maybe relate to that. And then I guess if I wanted some like astrological foundation for that would be that the moon is exalted in 
um, Taurus and the moon, of course, being like the breast and then the mother. So there's just a little um. <laughs> little theory. Of- yeah, I mean, also. Well, no, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think at this point we might as well roll with it, right? Yeah. Uh, but I yeah. think that his his Pluto-Venus opposition in his birth chart, too, like, it's playing out uh, in the realm of obsession. Mm, you know, yes. That Pluto-Virgo opposing, and it's, like, almost paranoia. It's like, all right, I found my replacement parents. I'm going to latch on, anxious attachment style. And I'm going to assume, basically, that if you're talking to Billy Corgan, by the way, uh, <laughs> which was a love triangle at so- a certain Ooh. point, it's like, I'm going to assume that you're about to leave me. Oh, mm-hmm. shit. She was definitely the pursuer, but like Sarah said, they, you know, Kurt was drawn to strong woman, but other people think that they were very easily attached because they both really had rough childhood. So there was an element of trauma bonding there. And according to a person close to them, this is a direct quote, they both had been outsiders. And even though they both had creative ambitions and they were both on the way to fame, living in poverty, growing up with neglect, which both of them had, I think that can't be overstated in how they bonded. So it's very like, you know, the trauma bond situation with the two of them. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's when you have that happen to you, it's really hard to have someone who, you know, to be with someone who doesn't necessarily understand that, but it's not necessarily always super good for the relationship either. Yeah. Like, you know, their relationship, I think, pretty objectively was pretty fucked up from the outside, but they both really did love each other according to like people that knew them. Um, So let's look at their sinistry. Okay. So (laughs) Courtney's Saturn in Pisces is conjunct Kurt's seventh house son, which is just like devotion and commitment. And then also sort of cinder blocks. And this is something I don't really, you know, sometimes like I'll just have like a word that comes in my head. This is what came with it. And I don't, I don't actually, uh, spoiler alert, think that she, you know, was responsible for his death, but I do think that she sort of sank his ship a bit. And they also both have their moons in Cancer. Courtney's son is conjunct Kurt's moon. And that's just really good for sinistry in general. And I think it's good for, I mean, I, I bet there's some sort of past life thing there. Um, Whenever your son is conjunct someone else's moon, it's going to be like this person sees you for who you are and also like who you want to be. So it's sort of like that encouragement of like, you know what I mean? Like you like if especially with the moon being there, it's like the maternal encouragement, I would say. And then sort of like the feedback of the father as well. So it's sort of like this parenting relationship. And then her moon is conjunct his natal Jupiter, which, like I said, is like I think mm, I've decided it's the most important planet in this chart. Um, from my point of view, of course. Um, but then Courtney's, uh, stationary Venus, again, it's stationary, it's, like, still, uh, apparent from apparent motion, not literally, in the sky, is conjunct Kurt's midheaven by, like, one degree, and Venus is love, and it's Courtney's chart ruler, so it's the planet that represents who she is in her chart, like, like, if she was, like, you know, like, a game piece moving around a game board, that's her, and it's conjunct his midheaven, which is the point of his reputation and his legacy in a chart, and she had so much to do, like, their relationship is so much from his legacy as well as she she you know bore his child which is like his literal she's his literal legacy right the only like living legacy i suppose um and then courtney's jupiter in taurus is co-present with kurt's natal north node and kurt's jupiter in cancer is co-present with courtney's natal north node and i just love dual activation like this um and it's also interesting (laughs) because it's in the two signs that represent like home and love and like just commitment security devotion like the dinner party signs the signs who like want to wear a thick cashmere sweater and just like stay at home and buy like the hearth um and they both have like such loud and difficult charts um but these are just like the signs that are 
most docile and Jupiter breeds goodwill and the North Node being an eclipse point just adds so much like gravity and significance to this comfort, I think, when they're together. Yeah, that's a really good call out. I mean, I, I kind of feel like that's just so domestic in the best way for them. But I, I think that, again, she's the master manipulator here. And I think that his she sees his midheaven. And I mean, not that she literally sees right. it, right? Like, I don't know if she cares about astrology, but like subconsciously, you see the Gemini midheaven. You're like, that's that's where my Venus is. And so it's almost like pole vaulting. <laughs> He's that leverage to, to aim higher and to accumulate that wealth, which, like I said, the Jupiter-Neptune opposition uh, it looks a little toxic. Um, but, you know, the the, the Jupiter-Moon conjunction is like, yeah, one of the best placements in Sinistry because it's like it's hard to walk away from that, like even if the relationship is corrosive. It's like, I just feel good around you and I feel accepted because Jupiter is generous. Jupiter is generosity and tolerance. So it's like, I accept you for all your sensitivities because like Kurt's like, hey, look at me. I'm just a bunch of water. Yeah. <laughs> you know, come home. I'm just can, a bunch yeah, of water. Yeah, I accept your Cancer moon. Yeah. And so I can see that there's a softness there, but uh, ultimately, you know, he does have that Chiron, Venus, Saturn conjunction in his birth chart and like that is painful. That's about facing rejection in relationships. So, you know, I think that eventually the net net is that that wins. Oh, sad. Well, after four months of dating, (laughs) (laughs) um, Courtney gets pregnant and they decide to get married, which I was just really surprised for some reason in my mind. I don't know. I just assumed their relationship was so much longer than it actually was. But regardless, after four months, they get married they have a really small wedding there's only eight guests it was kind of famous like what they wore like she wore this like white lace kind of satin gown and he just wore pajamas perfect <laughs> so that's so um, heroin yeah like, oh my god yeah be more on heroin i'm gonna wear flannel pajamas <laughs> yeah be more on heroin <laughs> Um, so what happened when they got married? So that was February 24th, 1992 in Waikiki, Hawaii. Um, we don't know what time. So I did a solar chart for noon. Um, and Pluto station retrograde that day. Uh, so anytime I hate when Pluto stations retrograde, I just feel like there's like, like a Jafar laugh in the background or like the laugh in like, um, what's it called? Thriller where it's like, ha ha ha. Like it's always like laughing at me. sort of just like making me uncomfortable. Um, and so that's just a day, though, that also with Pluto on his ascendant could be like very powerful. It was trining his ascendant um, or not trining sextiling. And I love the Virgo Scorpio sextile. I think it's sort of Virgo is seen as so it's like a pocket protector type person. And Scorpio is always seen as like the like sexy evil goth and just sort of like neither of those two signs, I think, are really exactly how they're portrayed. I guess none are. But I mean, they relate somewhat because all stereotypes have like some sort of root and truth i suppose but but i just like the virgo scorpio sextile because i think that it's sort of like very functional and i guess maybe on this day he felt empowered to walk down the aisle in his pajamas um (laughs) also the sun was in pisces conjunct courtney saturn uh within one degree and then also it was like a few days after his solar return and so your solar return is really about like starting a new leaf so every time he wants to like if he's renewing himself right now like what could feel more like renewal than marriage um and then jupiter was in virgo transiting his first house and people tend to either get married or pregnant when jupiter is in their well when it crosses one of their big three signs and so it being in his like in virgo um would signal a a huge year for him um also like a change of title i guess i mean men don't get new titles but 
getting a wife might, you know, sort of, I think it does. I guess he, he went from being a master to a mister if we're talking about old school stuff. And then Mars, Venus, and Saturn in Aquarius are opposite Chiron and Leo. And this just is sort of like really wanting to be accepted and feeling like freaks. Mars, Venus, and Saturn were in Aquarius earlier this year. And it sort of was like after a time when Venus was retrograde and we all just sort of wanted to be accepted. And also sort of it was like it was in March when it was like cold. I mean, I, I know it's not cold in L.A., but still it was just sort of like dismal. And um, I remember coming out of it in April. I felt so like renewed and fresh. And then having that opposite Chiron, which is Chiron and Leo just like wants to be able to be itself, um, is sort of very, it's just like, please like accept me. And, but it's also like an opposition will always be about relationships, uh, romantic or otherwise. I also feel like Leo is the sign that will dress, like if the last time a Leo receives validation, um, from a parent or the father, uh, is like for like wearing like a like a, a unicorn top or like a certain pair of pajamas like that just for some reason curtain his pajamas is very much Chiron and Leo because Leo will sort of can lock into like the last time they receive validation from a parent and then sort of like live that out for the rest of their life I think of Tinsley Mortimer from the Real Housewives because <laughs> she's a Leo and she sort of has that energy of like very much still being a child yeah I mean, I think the, the, the Mars Venus Saturn conjunction is commitment energy, but it's committing to pain. That's Chiron opposite. Boom. They're committing to Sad. a marriage defined by rejection and loss. And I think that this would be a very terrible day to get married. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> I would never suggest this, this day. I mean, I do think Leo, Chiron and Leo is almost like the inner child. When I see Chiron and Leo in someone's birth chart, and I've done plenty of charts for 1992, it's like, yeah, your inner child is probably shut out at some point at the degree of your Chiron and you have to reclaim it. And once you do, it's healing. But a lot of Chiron and Leo people, they have stage fright and they feel like ashamed mm. of their passions. It's really weird. Uh, but I think that, you know, this commitment energy in Aquarius, it, it just feels, again, it just feels a little too too heavy or something. Damn, committing to pain. That should be the name of a song. But <laughs> after, emo. after the wedding. <laughs> well, trust the Scorpio. I didn't give my big three X's. Scorpio <laughs> Sun, Scorpio That's Moon. I, oh, I honestly thought that, but I didn't know if I just like zoned you, out for a second. Because when we talked to you before, you told us. So I was I was like, wait, did because I know that you're very watery. But I was like, did he say it yeah. this time or did I he knew say he did it, it last time? But I just wasn't sure if you were being a classic evasive and like, you know, well brilliant scorpio about it like you know just getting away with not telling us so no i'm dramatic because uh, all my scorpios in the fifth house and, and my, my scorpio moon squares my leo jupiter so i'm if anything i'm oh. probably overly overly emphatic about my placements but uh yeah but that that so so scorpio sun scorpio moon cancer rising right. serious scorpio rising. sun I, scorpio moon cancer rising serious yep. water so you got some serious insight water. into how kurt might have been Lots and I've been feelings. seeing Nirvana shirts, by the way, for the last three weeks. Interesting, really, really oh weird. God, Every right. day when I'm on when I'm on Los Feliz Boulevard running, I see a Nirvana shirt. Wow, it's crazy. Wild, yeah. So LA of you, but <laughs> um, but like Evan said, we're committing to pain. And after the wedding, Kurt gets extremely depressed. Like Nirvana is huge at this point, 
But Kurt really doesn't like the fame. We said this before. He just feels very uncomfortable with this idol status that has sort of been imparted onto him. He doesn't want to tour anymore. He slips deeper in depression, starts doing a lot of heroin. Sad. Yeah. And Courtney said at the time, all he wanted to do was just like, hole up in their apartment, do heroin, play guitar, and, you know, drugs just start to become this destructive force in their relationship. Yeah, and they both enrolled in detox programs, but then they would typically end up checking out after a few days, going back to drugs. Courtney is said to have introduced Kurt to heroin, which we're not sure, but Kurt, I mean, Kurt was really into drugs long before he met Courtney, so um, his addiction was very, very bad for a long time. But despite the fact that, like, you know, they both did drugs, they did try and get clean when they had their daughter, Frances Bean. Yes, and around this time, Courtney stirs up a lot of controversy because she does an interview for Vanity Fair, and she tells the reporter that she had done heroin when she was pregnant, (laughs) which... It's like the least chill thing to do, you know. Someone like, media trained this woman. Yeah, but obviously she's untrainable, though. Out. She's like feral. Yeah, she's untrainable. She yeah. is feral. Um, they want to know if the baby was born addicted to drugs, and then this article causes them to eventually lose custody of Francis temporarily. And so, what was going on when this article came out? So. The article came out on September 1st, 1992, and on August 27th, 1992, there was a new moon in Virgo. And this was, it was exactly opposite Courtney's natal Saturn in Pisces. And like Virgo analyzes and is exacting, and Pisces really just free balls it. So, but Saturn's also (laughs) the planet of discipline, and anytime there's like an opposition, it's uh, like, you have to watch out. I wouldn't go running my mouth with a new moon opposite my Saturn. Um, I probably have, though. Um, But also Mars in Gemini was conjunct Courtney's natal Venus retrograde, which is also her chart ruler again. And this is during her Mars return, Mars being the lesser malefic and Saturn is the greater malefic. And both are being activated by hard aspect in her chart when this happened. So she's I would I mean, I guess if I were media training her based on astrology, I would have said, you know, stay inside at this time. Don't talk to people, you savage. Um, but she's also in a fifth house <laughs> year, which is the house of children, and her time lord was Saturn. So activating her nat- natal Saturn, the planet of discipline in Pisces, it, you know, the sign of escapism, this all really tracks. She's talking about doing drugs. She's getting disciplined for it. Um, and everyone knows that, like, Uranus oppositions are the common thread of our breaking news charts. This one doesn't have one. However, Uranus was in Capricorn, conjunct Neptune, the planet of intoxication, and it was opposite Courtney's sun and both her and Kurt's moons. So it's her identity. It's what she's, you know, known for. Yeah, there's just too much Virgo in the sky this day. It's so critical. It's so perfectionist. It's like, I mean, honestly, even if she had admitted something much lesser, uh, it still would have been a thing. Still in a story. Yeah. Well, also, too, like, she has her Mercury in Leo, which I feel like is, so, like, because the context of it essentially was she was saying that, I'm not sure if it was in this article, but one of the things she told Kurt was, like, she was as strong as an ox. So, like, if she did heroin, the baby would be fine because she just said that her body would be able to handle it, which to me is so, like, like someone just, like, hyping themselves up so hard. Very interesting. (laughs) Imagine being like, no, it's totally cool for me to do heroin. Like, I am fucking, I've got it locked down. Um, strong. I'm strong as after, an ox. It's like I wouldn't give an ox heroin I, when she's <laughs> have given birth. I don't know. 
<laughs> so um, after this story, the couple starts to have even more problems. You know, Kurt starts spiraling like even more. He was really suffering from like this truly horrible addiction. He had chronic pain issues with his back and his stomach, you know, so he was like self-medicating because of that. Um, he was super depressed. And again, like a constant thing we keep saying, cause it was so true was like, he was like this super famous rock star at the time. And he just like wanted nothing to do with that. Like he wanted to quit Nirvana and stop touring and just be a dad. So, you know, this is just like all this like bullshit is just like piling on top of him mentally. Yep. And, the, the relationship keeps getting more and more dramatic somehow. There was a domestic dispute between Kurt and Courtney that ended up with Kurt getting arrested. He also thought Courtney was cheating on him, which led him to overdose in a hotel room. Yeah, which Evan, I know, I forgot what placement you said, but when you were talking about like how Kurt, I think it was Kurt, who was like so obsessive with this like mother figure or whatever, this is what I immediately thought of was like, she didn't even cheat on him, but he was like, so like obsessed with the fact of like her leaving him or her cheating on him that he like overdosed and he actually fell into a coma. Well, I mean, he's just trying to get back to the womb this whole time. Like that's the, that's the plot to me. And I, I actually did a video about that a couple of weeks ago. I said like, all Pisces are trying to get back to the womb. The difference between evolved and unevolved is that like some people do that like through transcending consciousness, meditation, spirituality, and others do that through addiction and television screens. And I think that he, he experienced the entire kaleidoscope of a Pisces in his lifetime. And, you know, when it wasn't going to be Courtney, he's going to get back there through drugs, maybe both, you know? So, so I, yeah. I kind of feel like that was a foregone, it was probably a foregone conclusion at a certain point, but uh, yeah. Do you think that it would have been, Damn. this is an insane question to ask, I think, but like if his, <laughs> with his Saturn being at the latest degree in his chart and also sort of at the end of his stellium, it's sort of like he didn't really have a chance because it's like all of his Pisces is sort of stacked up against that Saturn. And I feel like Saturn and Pisces, I'm not looking forward to that transit coming up. I mean, yeah, there's a finality to that 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 chart because that that Saturn kind of owns that last degree, um, you know. And I think about it, even when they got married, Chiron at four degrees, 1994. That's when it's over. It's all kinds of numerology, I think, in these these charts. But so you know, Kurt is in a coma, but he recovers. And after that, Courtney was like, "Okay, yo, you gotta cut the bullshit." So she staged an intervention, and he went to rehab. But he actually left rehab early by scaling a wall. Like, he went out to smoke a cigarette and was like, peace. Um, No one could find him for a few days. And he went back to Seattle where he would sadly commit suicide at 27 years old. Yes. And he was missing for a bit at this time. But his body was found three days later by an electrician. And it was determined he died by a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head and a high concentration of heroin and diazepam were found in his body. So what was going on the day that he died? Um, okay, so that was April 5th, 1994. And Kurt was in a fourth house year, which pertains to endings, including the end of life. And on this day, Mars was exactly conjunct Mercury at 23 degrees, exactly conjunct his natal descendant. Mercury is his chart ruler, so that's him in his chart. And Mars is war. It's like self-destruction, and it reminds me of the Lana Del Rey lyric, there's a war in my mind. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
Also, he's in his nodal opposition, which is, I mean, between the fourth house here and the nodal opposition, they can both really support this 27 club since the nodal opposition happens. I mean, it could start when you're 26 and it can end, I think, when you're 28, but it'll almost always coincide with your 27th year. And so the North Node was exactly conjunct his natal Neptune in Scorpio. And Scorpio is a sign of death and destruction, and Neptune is the planet of intoxication. So it's sort of very much overdosey energy with that. Um, he's also in his progressed lunar return, um, and his progressed midheaven is conjunct his natal moon. But it's two, so his natal moon's at 13 degrees, and his progressed midheaven is at 15 degrees. So it's almost sort of like if this moon is him or him going back to the womb, it's sort of like he's already outlasted his stay almost. Um, kind of like in tune with what Evan's saying, which I think is really interesting. And then his progressed Jupiter, yeah. again, like I said earlier, was stationing direct in his chart. So I just feel like this is really completion since it rules that huge stellium he has. And since it's sort of exalted in Cancer, um, like it's stationing direct is sort of like it, we're still like we're going back. Like it could have been maybe he had completed it. I also sort of feel like he, if he was already made to be such a god again with that North Node in his ninth house, um, this is sort of him sort of like solidifying his god like status is like dying early right um but then also something interesting with mercury being his chart ruler um evan i what did you say about the number four because his mercury his progressed mercury is at four degrees pisces well yeah i mean it's it's kind of uh to me like i was just kind of connecting it to 1994 oh, yeah. I, I i don't know i feel like it's maybe a little too myopic but 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 i do think that the mars like in his progress chart you know when i think about the death chart it's not always a guarantee that someone would pass during a, the the certain type of transit but like i've noticed that a lot of people pass when um the moon like opposes their pluto in their progress chart like the progress moon opposes their progress pluto i find that to be very common it's very commonly when people when people pass, but in his progress chart, his moon is still kind of squaring Saturn, his progress Saturn. So that Saturn Aries squaring Cancer oh, yeah. moon, that also is it's leaving that square though. It's like just about to leave it, and I feel like you know it's exactly what you said, Dana. Of like he's like already outlasted a little bit. Like it's almost like his last chance to get out of there, you know, and like that. That's to me this the moon Saturn square in the progress chart because I, I don't know. I just feel like the progress moon is like the ultimate indicator of of, of life interesting but, uh, so <laughs> kurt was <laughs> no it's cool now i'm gonna like look at all my progress shit all the time and be like yeah. when, when, what is happening <laughs> um so kurt was remember like i was gonna say roll call i don't think that's like the appropriate <laughs> thing but refresher like kurt is like a fucking huge star he again is the voice of like this emo like don't give a fuck generation gen x when he died so when news broke people like freaked the fuck out like there was is an increase in like suicide crisis calls after his death like people were like afraid that all these people were gonna like copy what he did so he really affected like a lot of people yeah thousands of people went to a public vigil for him in seattle within a few hours after his death was announced people went out and bought nirvana albums literally everywhere stores all over the country were sold out it was uh it was pretty crazy the impact he had in again a short span of fame Honestly, though, like, what posers? Like, you didn't buy his album until after People do that now, though. Anytime someone dies, it's sort of like wanting to... Which I I kind of believe, actually. I feel like it's like a 
public sadness. But also, yeah, it's even worse now because everyone's like posting on social media. I won't even get into it. I could talk <laughs> about this for six hours. <laughs> so, you know, the overall consensus between his Kurt's family and friends was that Kurt killed himself, but that didn't stop a lot of people from questioning the circumstances of his death and even blaming Courtney for it. Yes, here we go with the conspiracies. Um, these skeptics believe that Courtney led to his downfall and even like hired someone to have him murdered, which is very dark. So aggressive. But, you know, a lot of the theories stem from people saying that Kurt couldn't have injected himself with the amount of heroin that was in his body. Um, and then shoot himself because he had like a shit ton of heroin in his body. But I guess also he was a horrible addict. So who knows like what his tolerance was. But people also think his suicide note was faked and that there was foul play because there weren't any fingerprints found at the scene, which to me is the weirdest part. I will yeah, say weird. like ha- like the fact that nothing had fingerprints on it is a little weird. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think both possibilities are there. I mean, because like I th- like like I think Courtney's charts like the master manipulator, but also um, when we were looking at those transits on on his uh, upon his passing, like the Mars Mercury conjunction in general is just impulsive. Like you're just taking action right away. But it could, like that could have been the like the person who was taking him out. You yeah, know, like for sure. so so it's really hard to figure that out. I, I really feel like it's a fifty fifty. And with that in his seventh story. house, it could be. Courtney, but it also could be any sort of like known enemy, which we don't know him since he's famous. And then it's also in Pisces, so it's Mercury, which rules his midheaven. So it's like we'll never really know because Mercury and Pisces, like that's very much like oh, there are no like I mean that makes you think that the fingerprints were washed away, which would in make mm. me think that then there was someone else. But yeah. I mean, I could to spiral. Staircase. Yeah, but I. In- no, I think that uh, also the Mars Pluto square in her chart is again speaking to this witch hunt, regardless. It's like, regardless of what happened, like there would be a witch hunt against her. And karmically, that's from a past action in a past life. She did something. I think she did something in a past life that probably was criminal. And this time she's getting hit with a false accusation of a crime. You know, so maybe yeah. there is a little bit of karma there. Right. And I mean, she had a lot to financially gain from his death. Like if they were to get divorced, like there I mean, obviously there would be alimony and everything, but I think between his publishing rights and his um, writing credits for Nirvana, like they were estimated between like 130 for the writing and like 115 million for the publishing. So that was a significant amount of money that she was able to have at that time and then continue to have. And I don't think she sold the rights until... Much later, um, I think she officially sold her or she sold some of her share in like 2006 um, just to sort of like get people off her back, it seems. Yeah, I think, too, with their synastry, I'm looking back and I keep thinking about how Dana called like her Saturn on his seventh house on like cinder blocks, because I do feel like when we were talking about their synastry, like there's like they have this like weird connection and. She accepts him for who he is, but I also think that could lead to your downfall because, like, if Kurt is like this, like, like watery ass sad boy, you know, it's like very easy to allow him to like slip into like funks or like you know, kind of maybe let him go on longer than she 
maybe should have with drugs. I mean, I don't want to blame her for what he did because he's his own person. Right. But well, I mean, she also must be, I, mean? I think it's she's like, the same person in a lot of ways. She just lived, right? Yeah. But yeah. Because she was a maniac. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because she was, what did you say? An ox? Strong as an ox. Strong she as was right, actually. Ox. So yeah, she I mean, it is debunked. Kind of crazy Courtney Love that, is. That, 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 that bitch is still alive. Like, she has done a lot of stuff to her body, and yet here she is, still, still kicking. I always think about, there was like an old MTV interview at the VMAs with Madonna, like when Madonna was like attempting to be like in her chic era, you know, when she was like, never mind my past, like I'm wearing a blouse right now and I have like a bump it in my hair. And she's talking to Kurt Loder. And then randomly, Courtney Love, like a shoe flies onto their stage where they're talking and Courtney Love is below and she's like, hey, Kurt. Like she's all fucked up and Madonna's like, please no. And he's like, come up, Courtney. And then they have like this like very awkward interview with like her and Madonna and Courtney's like so fucked up. That's so funny. That's like... And I think of Madonna's face like honestly once a month, like pretty off. Prime MTV. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that yeah. Billy, you know, if you think about like again, Billy Corgan, fa- another famous grunge artist born three weeks after Kurt. I mean, I think that the lack of fire and air in Kurt's chart like really hindered him because you look at Billy Corgan did not exactly have a uh he had a he definitely had a lot of trials and tribulations to get through in his twenties and thirties, but you look at his chart, it's like that three weeks makes a big difference. Venus and Aries, Gemini Moon, Saturn and Aries. There's a little bit more uh, levity with fire and air. So I think that that has, for him, and he has a Gemini Midheaven Virgo rising exact same chart angles as Kurt. So it's like, that for him, that's allowed him to sustain. I mean, he keeps releasing albums now even. So I think that I think that it just makes, in astrology, right, it's a matter of days and weeks and maybe hours. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's so crazy. I do love Bullet with Butterfly Wings. Um, that's my jam, Smashing Pumpkins song. Again, was played for me as a child, something that probably should not have happened. But I do love that song. <laughs> uh-huh. It's a, a great song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kurt's been, Kurt Cobain has been a frequent topic throughout the last decades. Like the po- Seattle Police Department say that they still receive at least one request per week. Again, this is since 1994 to reopen the investigation into his death. And even as recently as April 2021, the FBI released these previously archived, never before seen, like it was a folder with evidence from Kurt's passing. The file showed some letters and faxes from people saying that they believe the cause of death being called a suicide was a rush to judgment. And basically the FBI was like, hey, homicides aren't in our jurisdiction unless it's somebody saying like, the homicide was like handled wrong and we don't see it being handled wrong. So we're not going to investigate it, which for real is like the weirdest thing to do. You know, like I don't really understand why they released this, but what was going on when they did? So that was May 7th, 2021. And Neptune was uh, in Pisces one degree away from his descendant, which (laughs) so it's like right where Mercury and Mars were when he, uh, you know, died and Neptune, I feel like, is just sort of prolonging the confusion. Like, Neptune, again, is intoxication, it's confusion, and then this descendant being such, like, an important degree, 22, 23 degrees for him, it's not really uh, opening any doors. But then Saturn conjunct his progressed IC in Aquarius. This is sort of like, all right, well, we have to let the people know even if there's nothing here because Aquarius is the people. Saturn being like, I guess it's time to open this shit up. 
Um, and then wild enough, his second, uh, he was in his second progressed lunar return when he died. Um, his progressed moon was at nine degrees cancer. And when the records were released, his progressed moon was at seven degrees cancer. So it's sort of like really lining up in terms of like, if you think of, so I'm looking at like a triple chart, um, a triwheel, if you will, it's sort of like a lock, like lining up like that progressed moon, especially like Evan said, like is just sort of really unlocking it. And then, um, when on the day that they were released, Mars was conjunct his progressed moon. So it's sort of like we're ripping this shit open and Mars and cancer does want to get to the bottom of like emotional matters. And also the North node is transiting his 10th. So with Mercury and it's sort of like, and by this time Venus had also his progressed Venus had entered Gemini. So Venus being the exaltation of Pisces, which is such an important sign for him. And then having Mercury and the North node transiting his 10th house or by his midheaven, uh, it's sort of changing his legacy, although it really didn't do much. Yeah, nothing was said. It was like faxes <laughs> that were like, and then an FBI person being like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that Neptune on the descendant, I feel, is primary here, at least. Um, what do you think, Evan? I mean, I think 2021 with the Gemini North Node, like the whole time the North Node was in Gemini, there was just mixed messages in all dimensions of life. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, for sure. you know, it, it, it's really hard to get a hold of the truth. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. So, so I think that it's, it's certainly, there's, there's a, there's certainly not a closure to that story, to this story. I wonder yeah. if when his progressive Jupiter um, finally meets the, like the minute of his natal Jupiter, if anything would come out. Because his progressed Jupiter in 2021 was at 2528 Cancer, and within a mm. few years, maybe I haven't even checked. We'll yeah. see. Oh, we'll come back in a decade and let you know. <laughs> Charts never die. No. Yeah, All right. Well, Evan, any last thoughts about Kurt Cobain or his chart or Courtney Love before we wrap up? Uh, next time you incarnate, just make sure you don't have so much water. Ooh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> that's all i have to say and look this is coming from someone who's like entire chart is scorpio and uh a little bit of cancer and pisces i guess so i you know it's 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 hard it water's heavy you got you gotta have some fire and air you just need a little bit of that just need a little bit of it to survive as someone with a fire and air heavy chart you've really boosted my confidence in episode. <laughs> awesome well, Evan, thank you so much for joining us. You gave some amazing insights. And yeah. where can people find you, follow you, contact you? Yeah, uh, you can check me out on TikTok at Inner Worlds Astrology or my full name, Evan Nathaniel Grimm. Same with Instagram. Um, but uh, I have a snip feed link uh, in my Instagram and TikTok bio, which just links to all my other YouTube and Spotify channels. So, uh, yeah. Amazing. Yes, definitely follow Evan. Uh, he has some fascinating insights, super hot takes. But next week, we'll be back with a new episode about Alex Jones. So we're going to continue our conspiracies in a very different way. I don't even know who he is. Thank you guys so much for listening <laughs> to this episode. We're the info whores. Thank you for listening <laughs> to this episode. If you want to help support and grow the podcast, you can subscribe to our Patreon. For $5 a month, you get at least two extra episodes and then even more fun bonus content. And if you don't want to do that, like, you know what? That's fine. But you could also leave us a five-star review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and DM us a screenshot of that review, 
or star rating. We'll make you a custom meme of your big three and send you a quick write-up about it. We also have cool Allegedly Astrology merch uh, for all the signs on Public. So go there, check it out. Get some if you like it. And obviously follow us. We had a really big Nathan Fielder meme moment. I would go look at it. I still look at them and I know what all the memes are. So go there. It's on <laughs> Instagram and we're Allegedly Astrology there and also on Reddit and Hey Hero and TikTok and Allegedly Astro on Twitter. And you can visit our website, allegedlyastrology.com, to learn more about us and the show and book a reading with me, Dana, and to check out some of our charts and transcripts from select episodes. With that, I'm Elise. I'm Dana. And I'm Sarah. And this is Allegedly Astrology. Bye. We don't know who kills Kurt Cobain, possibly. (laughs) But maybe we do. Maybe we do, maybe we don't.